Hey, Cam. Yes, Alex. Hey, have you ever gone anywhere and just found that they're playing like completely improper, you know, waiting room music? Hmm. Like, I, no. I, I don't know. I've been to some hotels and like in the elevator, they'll have they'll have like techno or something late at night and just, just not. Oh, that, that's that's off putting. Right. No, right. no, nothing, nothing like that. Like, you know, every now and then you'll you'll get elevator style music, but then you'll listen closely and realize it's like a song you actually know. Oh, yeah. A, like the, that, the 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 orchestral Matchbox 20 songs and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, yeah, this is a Justin Timberlake song, isn't it? <laughs> well, the wildest thing happened the other day. I, I went to the chiropractor. And all they were playing was hip hop. Oh, so did you get my neck, my back? All right, I'll, I'll stop there. Chopper out to Dansby. Dansby throws to first base. Is this happening? It is. The Atlanta Braves are world champions. Welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast. Now you're all in big, big trouble. Let me talk to you. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Alex, joined as always by Mr. Cam Matthews. Cam, how you doing today? What? Shake and bacon. That seemed a little subdued. Well, you know, it's it's been a it has been quite the weekend and I'm quite tired. And I'm also trying to uh to calm myself after I almost ripped my microwave out of the wall. Oh. <laughs> All right. So you know, uh, you know the little bulb underneath the microwave, you know, typically over the stove. Yes. Well, we, we like leaving that bulb on, especially at night. We have a we have a youngster in the house that's a may functional need to- nightlight. It is. It is a very functional nightlight because for her to get from to our bedroom from her bedroom, she has to walk through the kitchen. So we figure, eh, we live in the south. We leave the light on on the microwave, and the bulb recently burned out. So I had to get a new bulb for the microwave. And right before we got on this call, I saw the bulb, the new bulb that I had bought, and I thought, you know what? Go ahead and change that out. Five <laughs> seconds. Five seconds. It'll take no time, right? It's just a bulb. It'll take no time, right? So I had to get the screwdriver out because it has like a little metal plate cover over the bulb that you know you have to unscrew and pull down. And I do that, and I see the bulb, and I reach up, and I start screwing it out, and I'm like, hmm, that doesn't feel quite right. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the glass Uh-oh. from the bulb comes down in my hand, and the metal part of the bulb is still stuck within the socket. In the microwave. Well, good good thing I know a guy who's got potatoes handy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got lots of potatoes handy. So I'm got at I mean, I mean, you to... know that's the trick, right? Yeah, yeah. You shove a potato in there and turn it, but yeah, that was one of those things where it's like this was supposed to be so simple, and now I gave myself a project. <laughs> as as with anything, I, I have learned that when you become a homeowner, like I swear, when we were renting. We never had it. We never had issues. Never. 
Never. It's something about like when it's not your issue to fix, the issues just somehow don't seem to pop up as regularly. Right. But it, well, it's like how cars are designed to go bad once the warrant, like the day after the warranty expires. Or like the month after you make the final payment on it. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, hey, the title arrived in the mail and the engine's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, gotta love it. Got to love it. So, so Cam, I this is gonna sound like a really redneck question, but it's it's uh, it's not. But what would what do you call like? Okay, so I'm trying to figure out how, what to call the relatives that are my mother's cousins' sons. Like, what are they to that's, me? That's your cousins. Those are my cousins. Those are your cousins. Like, I mean, you can get super specific and say at that point, I think they'd be your third cousins, but like, no, that's, that's just, that's just your cousins. Okay. So, uh, like, you, like, do you know how many people I refer to in my life as my cousins? And they might be like five relatives down the line, but I'm like, oh yeah, he's my cousin. But you know, you're related in some way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I've, I've got some cousins that are in town uh, who I haven't seen since they were infants, and they are, in fact, 18 years old now. Okay, um, okay. And, they're, and they're actually in America for the very first time. Uh, oh, interesting. So, yeah, my mother's cousin's sons, uh, who were born and raised in Belgrade, Serbia, um, just graduated high school. They, uh, they're, both, they're both classically trained pianists. They're okay. uh, they're coming over. They're going to go to uh, visit schools in D.C. and New York City. Wait, 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 wait. Are, are, they, are, are they twins? I, I have questions. Are they twins? Um, I don't. Uh, actually, yes, they are. I'm sorry. They are. OK. OK. All right. L- Alec, let me l- let me just walk you through this situation. OK. Uh-huh. All right. You have cousins who are twins. Who are from Serbia. Who are classically trained pianists. And who have come to America. You realize that your cousins are hitmen, right? It's distinctly possible. <laughs> like this, like this, this sounds like the like an episode of Law and Order or something where hitmen, <laughs> twin hitmen have come over from like you know the twins from Breaking Bad? That's your cousins, except they're from Serbia. And so they are <laughs> they are much wider. So these two are the are the most frightening frighteningly smart eighteen year olds I've ever met. Um, okay, I, we're I, just checking more boxes here. You realize that, right? I, yes, I know. I'm not going to make this any. I'm not going <laughs> to make them sound any less like spies. But um, <laughs> we we actually, uh, my dad and I took them out and taught them to drive the other day. So that was a lot of fun because they'd actually they'd never driven a car. Oh, so so. So you're just teaching them things. Exactly. exactly. You're, you're just you're just making them more dangerous. They are now Add, more mobile. We're than adding they were to before. their toolkit. Oh my god! <laughs> but I, <sighs> I I will say they are the they are two of the most frighteningly handsome human beings I've ever seen in my life. American women aren't going to know what hit them. Yeah, that's usually how hit men work. You don't see it coming. Right. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not going to mean to keep calling your relatives murderous animals. Anyway. Anyway, but yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun having them in town and uh That is uh, cool though. Their parents are coming over uh later this week and and we're going to get together and my mom and and them are going to going to cook some traditional Balkan food for us. So that's going to be cool. 
Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. And so, and so, like, how how long are your cousins staying in America? So they were uh, they got here at the beginning of the month. Um, they'll be in Atlanta through the end of the month, and then they're uh, the whole family's going up to D.C. for a while and New York for a while. Are you taking them to a Braves game? I'm not taking. I I I've tried. I presented it. Um, <laughs> they're not big sports fans, unfortunately. Uh, okay. So, so yeah, like they're they're kind of highbrow art and uh, and and music. It seems that that's their big interest. What is what, what, so? What's their native language? Serbian. Serbian. Okay. Their names are Laza and Judah. Laza and Judah. Okay, but I guess they're pretty fluent in English as well. They speak incredible English. It's it it was I mean, probably, shocking probably a lot how good their English was. <laughs> let's let, let's let's be frank here. They well, they're, speak- they're still thinking about it, right? They're still focusing on pronouncing the words correctly. Right. We stopped right. doing that long, long time ago. Well, that implies that I ever did it to begin with. That's that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very <laughs> cool. That is that is very fun. Yeah. Well, Cam, that's uh, that that that's kind of an update on our week. What do you say we go back further and take a look at some cool moments from this week in baseball history? Let's do it. All right, we're going to jump into this week in baseball history. As always, you can find these facts at nationalpastime.com. And the week we're going to be looking at is July 17th through the 23rd. Our first fact comes to us from July 17, 1993. In a Northwest League contest, Jason Thompson's error with two outs in the ninth inning spoils Glenn Dishman's bid for a perfect game against the Yakima Bears. On a routine ground ball, the Spokane first baseman, anxious to begin celebrating his teammate's accomplishment, pulls his foot off the bag before recording the final out. Oh, no. So that, that's that that's a paddling, right? Yeah, that's bad. That that yeah. that's bad. That's a long that's a long ride home. Like to to be to be quite frank with you, I feel like you you owe your teammate one clean shot if you do if you happen to let that occur. Yeah, yeah, you get you get a you get a free cup check after that one. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's that's certainly. Certainly, what you owe them. You ever had any uh any any friends uh kind of just blow something up in your face L- like that? Things are going well until they're not. Um, <laughs> I I I can't think of of an instance which probably means that I was that friend more often than not. Hmm. Mm, fair. Fair. <laughs> what about you? Uh, yeah, I do remember, um, I do remember back in the day when, uh, we may or may not have gotten access to, uh, some certain beverages hanging out, uh, that we were not legally of age to get. But, uh, as the night goes on, we're like, hey, we still have a lot left over. We can't exactly take this back to the house. What should we do? And my buddy's like, don't worry. I got it. Well, turns out he did not have it. He left it sitting right there. So <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he pulled his bat. He pulled his foot off the first base bag and and ruined what would have been our perfect game. All right, <laughs> I swear. Oh man, aren't you glad that like 
you don't have to sneak around for stuff like that anymore. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Like the the things that we used to do in order to get alcohol. I I, I will say I I my parents were pretty cool about it as long as we, you know, played by the rules. Right, right. So like like I went to one of those schools that didn't allow dancing. So like the, the <laughs> we we've been over this before. I know it. I, I know. I um know. And, and so the the proms were really boring. So uh, me and me and my friends had no intention of spending all this money to go to what amounted to like a a, a buffet dinner and a slideshow. Um. So my parents were like, "Tell you what, you come up here." get all your friends up here, give us all the car keys and we'll get you a bottle of liquor. Nice. So that's, that's what happened. And we got shit faced and it was great. <laughs> Can you get us a bottle of Everclear? No, I don't. I, we, I guess we had good taste. We went crown Royal. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, that's not a bad pick. I mean, that's that was, like... that was the nicest thing we could think of at, at <laughs> Yeah. I, I was going to say 17. Like... Like, yeah, like Crown Royal is not bad, but it, it is definitely at that age the nicest thing you can think of. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. like now, now that now that I'm pushing 40, like Crown Royal is probably in the bottom half of liquors I can think of. Crown Royal is like, oh, yeah, I do have that in the cabinet, don't I? If you want to feel really fancy drinking Jim Beam, Crown Royal. Hey, I I have Jim Beam on hand all the time, okay? Don't you? <laughs> do, 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 not, do not besmirch my good friend, Mr. Beam, okay? If, you, if you're too far north to feel comfortable drinking Jack Daniels, Crown Royal. There it is. <laughs> they are not your buddy, guy. All right, so our next fact comes to us from July 19th, 2000. In the, the year Blue... 2000. There it is. All right. The Blue Jays, hoping to strengthen their rotation during the pennant race with the first place Yankees, trade minor league infielder Michael Young to Texas for Esteban Loeza, who will post a disappointing 5-7 and seven record down the stretch for the short-term contenders. The Rangers' newest prospect will develop into a perennial all-star shortstop, batting 301 during his 13 seasons with the Texas team. That is a that is a tough return on that one. Yeah, well, and I figured it was fitting because you know we're about to get into about to get into trade season here in the coming weeks. But we are. I, don't know, I guess I did not realize that uh, that Michael Young was part of a uh, what was supposed to be a big trade at the time. Well, since since you brought it up, Cam, and we don't really have a, uh, a segment that it fits perfectly into, Cam, what what do you? What do you think of this trade deadline coming up? What What do you expect to see? I, I don't know. I I am more so. I am more so in the camp that it could be a kind of quiet deadline. Like there will be some moves. You know, teams are going to pick up a reliever here and there, that sort of thing. I don't think there's any going to be. I don't think there's going to be any major moves. And 
I don't know if you saw the interview or heard the interview with Kim Ng from the Marlins earlier this week, but she, I can't remember if she was like doing a serious XM interview or what, but she was being asked about that as well. And she made the comment and just pretty much outright admitted what we all think that because of the expanded playoffs, because so many teams are in contention at this point, there's going to be less teams. That means there's, there's a lesser pool to trade with and then there's going to be less teams that are going to say hey we really got to cash chips in here because you know at this point like if you're a team like the Chicago Cubs just a few games out of first place in a very weak division who says that you have to make a huge move to still win your division or win the wild card and get you know what I mean yeah like yeah and I mean all this of course every year everybody loves to speculate um, like where is Shohei going to wind up after he's done with the angels and, and, you know, before the expanded playoffs, it would be pretty much a shoe in. I think that, that the angels would be close to sellers, but now they're really not. Right. Right. I like, mean, I, I don't think there's, like, a, look, there's look at- a reason for them to sell because they can grab a pretty easily grab a spot in the playoffs. Right. Well, and look at look at like two years ago, right? When when the Nationals were absolutely not making the, the postseason, you know, they trade Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers. Like they immediately just dump off. Whereas, you know, I don't think we see moves like that this year. And and frankly, I don't see Shohei moving. There was a debate I was listening to on the radio, and it was would you rather be the GM that that traded Shohei or the GM that didn't trade Shohei. And, and there's kind of a negative angle for both of those. Well, I was going to say, you know, you're, you're damned. If you do, you're damned. If you don't, that the fact of the matter is that you are the GM over Shohei Otani, who has done nothing to build around Shohei Otani and Mike Trout for that matter. You know, I, I I see both sides of that argument that, you know, if you don't trade him and he more than likely walks this offseason and signs with somebody else, well, then you got nothing in return. You, you got nothing in return other than like three exciting seasons with him playing, you know, playing uh, all throughout the season. If you do trade him and you get that prospect capital, then like, you're known as the guy that couldn't build around that. Right. And and if he goes off and, you know, which what seems distinctly possible is he goes and has a legendary career somewhere. Like then, then you become, then it's, it's Babe Ruth all over again. Then you're the, right. you're the curse team that let the greatest player of all time go. Well, but even then, like the Red Sox, were very good with Babe Ruth. That's what made that situation so mind-boggling is that, you know, the Red Sox were a very capable team at the time, you know, whereas the Angels are just floundering. It's it's an incredible thing to watch. Uh, any guesses on who Shohei signs with this offseason? Um, my, my, all I've got is my gut. And my gut is telling me Los Angeles. 
been a little while since the Dodgers have made a splashy signing. They went an entire off season without anything huge. Um, I, I just, I, I have a hard time seeing him anywhere else. Maybe the Yankees just because, you know, Yankees, but, but I, I'm, I'm going LA. What about you? As much as I hate to say it, I, I do think that there's a reason that the Dodgers continue to be the team that are brought up with Shohei consistently, no matter who it is that talks about it. That is the team that is quite literally always linked to Shohei uh, going into next year. And so I feel like, you know, that, that's kind of a where there's smoke, there's fire situation. What is, you know, if you were an Angels fan, though, what would that do to you? You know, you're already you're already really the the little brother to the other, quote unquote, Los Angeles team. But to lose if, if you're an Angels fan and you haven't been bracing for this for two years already, I just don't know what to tell you. Right, right. If you're an Angels fan. God bless you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you got to you're, you're still coasting off of what? 2002? Golly, yeah. <laughs> Big Mike Salmon doing his thing in the World Series. Tim Salmon. Taking taking down uh taking down old Barry Bonds and company. Yeah. <laughs> thank thank not, goodness not, for not, that. Not to go by off on a, not to go off on another tangent, but isn't it wild that Barry Bonds never won a World Series? You know, sometimes the baseball gods get it right. <laughs> they say, you, you know what? We'll let you. We'll let you hit 700 and, or 9,567 home runs. But you won't be able to get into the Hall of Fame, and you'll never win a World Series. <laughs> and then the baseball gods turned to Braves fans and said, hey, fam, don't worry. Barry Bonds is never going to win a World Series while he's with the Giants. But then about five years later, they're going to win three in five years. And right. You're going to have to bite your lip and like <laughs> it. And retire Bobby Cox in the process. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there's also there's also a catcher that uh, because he got a headache, they're going to change the entire way we do things in baseball. Wait, what now? Talking about Buster Posey. I, have oh, I not talked God. about before yeah, that, I just no. that I just don't like Buster Posey, and I have no actual good reason why? I mean, go off, King. <laughs> All right. Our, let's, let's, let's get this show back on the rails. Our, <laughs> our next fact comes to us from July 21st, 2008. Diamondback left-hander Randy Johnson becomes the first major leaguer to collect 2,000 strikeouts for two different teams. Ooh. The Arizona Southpaw, who fanned 2,162 batters pitching for the Mariners from 1989 to 1998, whiffs Cubs third baseman Aramis Ramirez to earn the distinction. 2,000 strikeouts for two different teams. <laughs> just just let, that, uh, let that sink in. I just for a like. Moment. That's insane. <laughs> Oh man, give me all the Randy Johnson stats. I'm so glad we got to watch him. I know, I know. Like he he's our generation's Nolan Ryan, which is really fun to think about. Like nobody still nobody's Nolan Ryan, but he's the 
Well, I don't know. No, 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 no. There's nothing wrong with putting Nolan Ryan and Randy Johnson in the same conversation. Oh, no, no, no. I I know. And like, that's not to besmirch either or. That is the second time I've used besmirch in this episode. It's a good word. It is a good word. That is an underutilized word, besmirch. It's a good one. Hmm. You know what? Another good word, behoove. Ooh, ooh. It It would behoove you to use that word more often. Yes, I love it. I love it so much. But no, uh, I mean, let's see. You got Nolan Ryan, uh, Roger Clemens, Randy Johnson. Like, you know, they're all kind of cut from the same cloth, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Randy Johnson, so much fun. I can remember which game would it, would it, would it have been. It wouldn't have been MLB The Show. Would it have been MLB Heat? I don't know. No, MVP Baseball. It was MVP Baseball. There it is. MVP Baseball 2002. My cousin had it on the PlayStation 2, and I would go over to his house and play it all the time. And he would always pick the Arizona Diamondbacks because the Diamondbacks had Randy Johnson and Luis Gonzalez on the roster. And, of course, he would set Randy as his starter. I would never get any hits in the baseball game. And then Luis Gonzalez would be like six for nine on the day with a 420-foot home run. And it would just, it would just make – it would make eight-year-old me incredibly furious. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that was that was the cheat code. That was <laughs> Oh, it was. It absolutely was. Cause like they're coming off a World Series. So Luis Gonzalez is like that a was, level nine. That was that was player. just running with Michael Vick every single play. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like just cheating. Just absolutely cheating. <laughs> All right, our final fact comes to us from July 23rd, 1923, so 100 years ago this week, and uh, sticking on the theme of strikeouts as well, at Cleveland's Dunn Field, Walter Johnson fans of the tribes Stan Kowalewski to become the first pitcher in Major League history to strike out 3,000 batters. The Senator Legends milestone will remain unmatched until 1974, when Cardinals right-hander Bob Gibson whiffs Reds leadoff man Caesar Geronimo to reach the plateau at Bush Stadium. Why is it blowing my mind to hear a Bob Gibson stat from 1974? Like I, I don't know why I had him further back than that in my mind. No, he was like late 60s, then into the 70s. Huh? Yeah, I thought yeah. I definitely thought he was done in the 60s. But no, think about that though. Walter Johnson, of course, you know, first first pitcher to get. 3,000 strikeouts in 1923. It took 51 years for the next pitcher to that's hit a, that That's milestone. a good run for a record. That's a that's a really nice run. Yeah. I mean, Walter Johnson was no joke, son. And it, it, only in recent years, uh, we've actually gotten archive footage made public of him warming up and pitching. And you want to talk about one of the most fluid sidearm throws you've ever seen in your life? It's ridiculous. His arm is like a bullwhip. <laughs> it's amazing. Like he he was the first like fireball thrower in baseball. Guys hated him oh. <laughs> because they I, thought he was going to kill somebody. I wonder how many elbow and shoulder injuries he played through. All of them. <laughs> every every <laughs> single one. <laughs> the man didn't feel anything from his right ear down to his pinky. Yeah, he one time he got tendonitis and he just yelled at it until it went away. 
That's it. That's it. All right. Well, that has been this week in baseball history. Do with that useless knowledge what you will. All right, guys. We'll be right back to take a look at the past week for the Braves and see what lies ahead. All right, so when we last spoke, the Braves were heading into the All-Star break with the best record in baseball. So since we don't have a full week to talk about, I wanted to talk about the All-Star game a little bit because it was actually a really good game. Um, yeah, I, 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 thought it was a, I thought it was a real fun game. I saw people calling it boring, but I'm like, I don't know. I was sitting there watching it with anticipation of like, okay, who's going to crack? Who's going to jump ahead? Well, I, I think it goes to remind you that that regardless of of how powerful today's hitting is, the the best pitching I think always beats the best hitting. Right, right. Man, so isn't it the, crazy to isn't it crazy to think that the Tampa Bay Rays didn't have anybody on the All Star team? None. Not a not a one. Not a single player was introduced, which is just crazy to me. <laughs> how does that happen? How how does that like how do you forget just introduce an entire group of players? Wait, they really did? Yeah, they really did. No, I missed that entirely. What? <laughs> yeah, during player introductions, they just completely forgot to introduce the guys from Tampa. Oh, that's not cool. <laughs> Classic whoopsie. Oops. My bad. Yeah. yeah. We'll Which say, you know you would have you would have known that you had uh, players from Tampa on the team if they were actually wearing their uniforms. That would be nice too. You know, I I actually walked by in the clubhouse store today. I walked by the the All Star jersey and was just like, eh, eh. it's kind of cool looking, but I just I I can't support it. Like who? You mean to tell me that there's enough people out there that buy these to warrant them doing this every year? Like, what's wrong with just slapping an all-star patch on the jerseys we've already got, charge $30 more for it, and call it a day? And people would absolutely pay that because, you know, they love somebody would love to be like, look, 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 I've got a Matt Olson 2023 all-star jersey. Right, right. Like, well, and, and the patch the matters to a lot of people. Like, the, the only jersey I wear to the ballpark these days is my 2021 championship patch jersey. Right. So yeah, I, I think that that's the direction they should go with it. But uh, apparently, Nike gets to make all of those decisions, so it doesn't seem like we're going to get that in the future. Communist, but, but <laughs> damn communist. Um, but the uh, the game actually started one of the most exciting top of the firsts I've ever seen because, of course, Ronald Acuna Jr. leads off for the NL. Hits an absolute screamer to the wall, and uh, and Adolis Garcia out there makes an incredible catch to to not quite rob him of a home run, but certainly rob him of a double. Right. And then the next batter is Freddie Freeman, and he hits the exact same kind of ball the left field right up against the wall, and Randy Rosarena makes the same kind of crazy catch to to put him out to get the second out of the game. He just wants to be Ronald so bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's just Ronald to the other field, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Little disappointed that we didn't get to see any of the uh any of the Braves pitching in the uh in the All-Star game, but of course, it is an exhibition. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. 
No, I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. They're still all-stars this year. It counts all the same. Um, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not too worried about it. So and we did, get, we did get to yeah. have the moment where where the entire all-star infield were Braves. That was pretty damn cool. And, of course, Austin Riley chose that moment to really shine and have an excellent play at third. Oh, man, that was incredible. Just a uh, barehanded throw. Yep, yep. To, to Matt Olson, as it should be. And props to, um, who was it? I guess it would have been Philly. What's Philly's coach's name? That that shows how little I think of him. Oh, David God. Thompson. Thompson? Something. David. Wasn't David Thompson the NC State player from the 80s? Yeah. We know it's not Dave Thomas because that's, that's, that's the Wendy's guy. Um, hmm. Keenan Thompson. There it is. Okay. So Keenan Thompson makes the, uh, <laughs> made, made the great decision <laughs> to let the entire Braves infield do their thing. And it, it absolutely worked. Yeah, it, it was great. And, and the NL snapped the streak. Uh, National League defeats the American League by a final score of three to two with Craig Kimbrell coming in, striking out two to get the save. I forgot it had been that long since the National League won this game. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the NL, I mean, the NL had put up some pretty weak all-star teams in uh, in some years past. Right, right. All, all relatively speaking, of course, because an all-star team is still an all-star team. Right. Yeah, that's wild stuff. Yeah, I thought it was a perfectly fine baseball game. The old, the old midsummer classic. Thoroughly may or may not. Thoroughly may, may or may it. not be coming to Atlanta in uh, 2025. Ooh, yeah, that's going to be great. Uh, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, good lord, the team has deserved it. That we're we're selling out every game. The fan, what more do you want from the fans, buddy? Uh, if they can get some lefties in the home run derby in Atlanta, how much do you think Chop House tickets would be? If they get lefties in the home run derby in Atlanta, uh, I'm I think the best seat is going to be outside of the stadium in that green in front of the big screen by the third base gate. Oh yeah, oh, they're yeah. gonna hit some that that get a bounce off of that catwalk and get out of the stadium. The Delta Energy Pavilion. Oh, they're uh, uh I, I we've already seen Matt Olson bounce a couple off of the very top of the chop house. So, <laughs> old Maddie Land. Yeah, but a place he and only he travels. Yeah, gotta love it. Got to love it. It was uh, it was lovely to not see Pete Alonso win the home run derby. <laughs> he, he was he was just he was just shooketh he really was that, that julio rodriguez had oh yeah oh julio is putting on a show and the the like they've really been studying the format i think because like the the rate at which they're taking these home run hacks yeah is something that i've never seen before it, it's really wild I still feel like the highlight of the night for me. So every year I feel like you look at the field and you say, all right, who's going to be the stinker? Like who's going to be the one guy that just, and for oh, some and reason, Mookie. everyone knew it was going to be Mookie. Mookie said it was going to be Mookie. He did say it was going to be Mookie. But 
Ad, the way that Adley Rutschman performed was a bit of a pleasant surprise. Well, I, funny thing was like a day or two before that, I had uh, stumbled across a YouTube video of uh, of some dudes that uh, that that do all of these uh, analytics videos with exit velocity and stuff like that. And they were going to use uh, aluminum bats and they got Adley Rushman to come out and he was going to go against them both right and left handed with a wood bat. And like they couldn't get an exit velocity over 101 and he was just cranking like 114. Yeah, so I feel like the highlight of the night was when after a timeout he switched over to the right side and just picked right up. Yeah, I mean it Adley Russian's a really special player. Like Oh, he's uh, good. He's, he's very good. very good. He's um, good. Um and like, and, and I we would... haven't mentioned it yet but the Baltimore Orioles are now only one game away from the Tampa Bay Rays for the lead in the uh, in the American League East. So look oh, out, no. them Baltimore boys coming. <laughs> the burbs are coming. Burb watch. Burb, burb watch 2023. <laughs> Tremendous. Tremendous. All right, so the All-Star break concludes and we get right back into regular season action as the Chicago White Sox visit Atlanta for a three-game set over the weekend. Friday night, it was all Braves. Charlie Morton came out uh, as the first starter after the break and performed admirably. Uh, He gave us seven innings, allowing only three hits, no earned runs, only walked one, struck out four. Great, great game from Charlie. Offensively, you got Matt Olson putting uh put pretty much putting the game away in the first inning. Uh Michael Kopech yeah. did not have his best day. Uh he's he started the game by walking Acuna, hitting Albies and walking Riley, and Matt Olson comes up and makes him pay. So we're it's looking- funny. I'm I'm so I'm Friday night, I'm in the kitchen and uh, I'm pickling banana peppers, right? Because that's that's what you do As on you do. Friday night like you do and uh i see we get the bases loaded no outs i see matt olson walk up and i'm like man a grand slam right here would be kind of (laughs) cool crack (laughs) bye (laughs) well and in retrospect it was a it was a good thing that we got four runs early in that game because uh once michael kopech was out of the picture in comes old friend tukey tucson and his gnarly curveball, which he really seems to have gained uh, more mastery of than we were accustomed to through his time in Atlanta. But uh, Tukey comes out and throws five and a third innings of three-hit ball with only one earned run. Did struggle with walks a little bit, putting four on base for free, but struck out four, all on 97 pitches. Uh, an incredible outing in emergency relief for Tukey. I mean, it reminded me a lot, uh, and I can't remember who it was against, but it was a few years ago where Sean Newcomb just absolutely imploded in, like, the second inning, and then Tukey came in and carried us all the way through the seventh. He he did have a knack for uh, for that long relief role, didn't he? Yeah, he really did. He really did. But, yeah, this this game really, really went perfectly because the Braves scored a lot. Tukey Tucson came in, and we got to see him throw lights out. And then the Braves scored a lot more. Braves end up winning nine to nothing. Uh, tack on 
four more runs after uh, after Tukey's pulled from the game. Uh, just a, a great way to start the second half of the season. Uh, the Braves begin the second half the same way they ended the first, looking like an offensive juggernaut with very solid pitching. Yeah, I mean, this was just another classic Braves beatdown, it felt like. It was, it was. So it makes you feel good going into the rest of this series. So we come back Saturday and we have got Lance Lynn on the hill for the White Sox up against Spencer Strider for the Braves. Uh, Strider had a pretty tough game this go around, had six innings pitched, allowing eight hits, five earned runs, 10 strikeouts. So uh, you ask why he was left in for six innings while allowing that many runs. Well, Lance Lynn on the other side went five and a third, allowing six hits, four earned runs, three walks, six strikeouts. Uh, So it was not a great day to be a starting pitcher inside Churis Park, quite frankly. Uh, The White Sox took an early three to nothing lead after the third before Eddie Rosario comes in and atones for some early defensive miscues with a home run of his own, making it three to one. And Ronald Acuna comes in later in the third, tying the game on a homer to center, scoring Michael Harris, uh, evening it at three. White Sox tack on one in the fifth before Riley singles home Ozzie, tying it up. Jake Berger then puts the uh, White Sox in the lead, a lead that they unfortunately would not give up despite a ninth inning Ronald Acuna Jr. home run. White Sox wins six to five and thwart what looked like it was going to be a typical Braves comeback win there in the ninth. Yeah, I mean, you had the tying run at third. You had the uh, you had the winning run at first, and then just like a freak broken bat, little you know liner okay, up that, the middle. <laughs> that was one of the scariest bat breaks I I can ever recall seeing because that bat, like what appeared to be ninety percent of that bat went flying directly towards the pitcher. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, we were very close to impact there. But I, but I feel like if that bat doesn't shatter, that ball gets through the infield and we at least tie the game. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I was, I, I was shocked that the game ended the the way it did because you know we've we've grown so accustomed to to these late comebacks. Um, but this one didn't go our way. That's going to happen sometimes in a major league season. White Sox win six to five. Come back and then some- I looked up and realized, crap, we're gonna lose. We're about to lose a series to the White Sox. And then we realized, oh wait, wasn't this like uh, Oakland and then almost Detroit too? Um, so we get yeah. to the Sunday game. We have got Dylan Cease on the mound for the White Sox up against Colby Allard pitching for our Braves. Dylan Cease d- goes out and does Dylan Cease things, throwing five innings of three hit ball, allowing one earned run, striking out six. Colby Allard does not make it through the second, and it was just really not a good day for the Braves. Balls were flying all over the yard for the White Sox. Uh, Started the scoring in the first with a monstrous Jake Berger homer to center field. Um, Game ends up 8-1. to Just not a good outing. You saw Mike Soroka come in in relief, which was confusing because we were expecting him to be on the roster as a starter. He throws three innings of relief, allows three hits and two earned runs. Um, not sure what we gain out of that in an eight to one loss, Cam. Hey, did we did did we hit a home run today? How, how did we get our one run? I did not watch. Uh, our one run was a Matt Olson single to right field, scoring Ozzy Albies. 
Dang it. So the home run streak is over. Home run streak is over. That gummit. We we made it what like twenty eight games straight. Did we even have a double. I don't think we even had a double. Ugh. Yeah, it was just just not our day today. <laughs> well, you know, partner, after a game like this, I might have a double myself. <laughs> and, and I actually remember walking around the stadium today, and I overheard someone saying something to the effect of. Well, this is fine. You know, we're going to go and get all of our bad games out of the way against terrible teams. That's that way. When we play the good teams, you know, those are out of our system. (laughs) We certainly seem to play down to our competition a lot. Sports fan logic is undefeated. I love it. Oh, it is. There is no other sector of humanity that copes in the most irrational ways in sports fans <laughs> we we will find a way to it make doesn't it even have to right. make a little sense yes yeah like as long as there's just a, a, a sliver of logic there we'll <laughs> jump all over it daddy <laughs> all right well unfortunately the braves dropped the first series after the break but uh, we are staying at home for the next series. We've got the Arizona Diamondbacks visiting us, hoping we can get a little revenge on that series we dropped in Arizona. Rice Elder gets the start for the first game of the series on Tuesday against the Diamondbacks with, is this Zach Davies? Does he still pitch? Zach Davies is going for the Arizona Diamondbacks. The corpse of Zach Davies will be on the mound. <laughs> Wednesday, Can't wait for him to light us up for seven innings. Right. Wednesday the 19th will be a 720 start. Charlie Morton's on the hill going up against Kyle Nelson for the Diamondbacks. And on Thursday, it is a 1220 start, and we are wasting a workday game on a Strider Gallon matchup. Fun. <laughs> why, why does that have to be the 1220 on third? Somehow Atlanta's still gonna sell this game out, you know that. Did did we? Did we lose that series to Arizona? That doesn't feel right. Did, uh, maybe we didn't. I don't know. No, I don't, I don't think we did. The last series we lost, though, was to Oakland. I'm thinking about that series in 2021. There it is. Yeah, <laughs> we've, uh, we have won 11 straight series since the Oakland series loss. Well, not anymore. Well, had. How about that? <laughs> there it is. All right, well, after the Arizona series, we fly up to Milwaukee. We have no announced pitching for that entire series, but we are going to be on uh, on ESPN for the Friday game. We're going to be on Fox for the Saturday game, be back home on Bally for a 2-10 start on Sunday for the third game of the series. Well, Cam, that's going to do it for us. But before we go, we need to talk a little bit. We are less than two weeks away. From the very first Chatting Average Podcast live event, which will be taking place at ASW Distillery at the Battery on July 29th before the game against against the Brewers for Hank Aaron weekend. The fun's going to get started at noon. Come on out if you're able. Uh, Get a name tag that has your Twitter handle on it so we can can know who you are. Um, Please, please, please. But yeah, it should be a great time. We're we're going to have a blast. Our friends, uh, Jeff Donahue, Jay Donna, and uh, a few others are going to be there as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure to make plans for it. Again, that is going to be at ASW Distillery on July 29th at noon. Yeah, buddy. Going to be a fun time. 
Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Chatting Average Podcast. For Mr. Cam Matthews, my name's Alex. We'll see y'all next week for another brand new episode. Back. This has been the Chatting Average Podcast. Be sure to check out our merchandise store at teespring.com slash stores slash Chatting Average Podcast. And please consider becoming a patron of our show at patreon.com slash Chatting Average. We'll see you next week for another brand new episode. <laughs>